Hometown Sports. Call or text at 916-339-1140. Discuss some drama with other teams throughout the NBA. Sacramento seems to not have a lot, right? There was Podium Gate a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago, which subsided and you had something with Kevin Herter after the Nuggets game where he basically said I would have loved to help my team but I was not called upon to help my team yet he, he played 18 minutes it was not a great 18 minutes which is why it stopped at 18 minutes but Brendan Nunez great writer and insider for Sacktown Sports for the Kings wrote a piece on it. Brendan, thank you for joining us. No what problem. were your initial thoughts? And obviously we want people to go out and read the article, but what prompted you to put this out and what were your initial thoughts when you saw the quotes from Kevin Herter? Yeah, after the Nuggets game, the Nuggets release all the post-game quotes to us that includes uh, some of the Kings ones. And it's a transcription and I kind of read it and it says, you know, what went wrong in the second, third quarter is pretty much what he mm-hmm. got asked. And he said he couldn't point to one specific thing, but I wish I was out there more. And definitely stood out. Mm-hmm. You don't love to hear that from a player. I will say, context is important here. They got blown out by the Nuggets. No starters were playing in that fourth quarter, right. albeit Domas and Keegan played longer than, honestly, I even understood. Yes. But that's not exactly a great example. But throughout the course of the year, there's been 12 occasions where he's played less than 20 minutes. Or I think 15, sorry. That happened six times last year. And there's a clear defensive emphasis. You know, he got... Benched earlier in the year for Chris Duarte, which I think was more of a compliment of Chris, maybe than a slide on Kevin. He's been in every trade rumor possible, mm-hmm. him and Harrison. After last year, you pointed out to me yesterday, he's the one that coined the beam team phrase. Sure did. You know, and probably thought like, oh, I found my new NBA home. I think he liked the free-flowing offense compared to, you know, everything getting run through Trey Young in Atlanta. And so I, I get the frustration um, and, you know, trying to make sure I didn't just read the quote I I did try to check with some different people that were around and there definitely was a slight agitated tone from Kevin so I understand the frustration for sure and I think that there's or I'll say I also understand Mike Brown going away from him a little bit for these moments right they're in the Miami game there he's guarding Duncan Robinson so they're having Duncan Robinson screen for Jaime Hawkes every single time and getting her during a switch and Hawkes hit very tough shots, but that's the matchup that teams are going to try to go after. You saw Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon do it in that Denver game. So I understand both sides of it, and I don't think that the frustration is necessarily like instantly, oh, this is a bad thing, this is going to infect the locker room. That can be motivation for guys. So I don't think it's a bad thing, but it definitely stood out to me that he said, you know, I I wish I was out there more. Mm. Yeah, and this is also just, I I think the – the concern level is a little bit raised because this isn't really the first time we've heard Kevin make, like, I think this was probably the most direct that he's been, but we've heard him voice some frustrations throughout this season. I think uh, the big question that I have, uh, well, there's a couple, but but one of the biggest ones and the most immediate one is, I mean, especially down the stretch right now where the Kings really need to be as focused as possible, like, is this potentially something that you could see seeping into the locker room maybe other guys start talking you know once you start losing games the way the Kings have here recently you know I I think guys start to voice why they're upset oh I'm not getting enough play I'm not getting enough touches well if I was out there maybe things would go different is there any fear that maybe this thing could potentially spiral and and maybe become like a, a a real problem in the locker room 
I think it is something you have to watch for. I don't know. Like again, I'm torn on it because I think it can be. I think it can be motivating, but there is also that that could play a part. And I think the fact that he's willing to say it publicly means that right. this probably has been a thing for a little while. Sure. Like you said, there's been earlier moments in the year where you could kind of sense a little bit of fr- potential frustration. Not trying to speak on his emotions, but that's very much what it seems right. like in these in these situations. And so you do have to worry about that a little bit because there are some teams where, you know, all it takes is two guys to feel that type of way. Yeah. Like, man, I really should be playing more. They're not handling this right. Two of those guys, like, could grow into three. They could mm-hmm. bring another into the group sort of thing, you know. And, again, Kevin doesn't seem like that guy. Yeah, Kevin seems like a great teammate that everybody loves. I think he was just frustrated after that game. It's been a frustrating year in general. And so that that's kind of where I'm at. But I do think it is something to monitor because mm-hmm. it doesn't take long for, for that sort of thing to happen right. in locker rooms. I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there at all. But I'm definitely watching. And the whole thing with defense has been tough because – and we, we've had this conversation with Whitey. We've had this conversation with multiple people. It's gotten to the point now where nobody questions Kevin Herter's effort defensively. He's giving it all, yeah. right? Well, there, there's certain guys in the league who think you're, they're just not trying. Kevin Herter, and this is probably frustrating for Kevin, right? There are certain people that want to become great shooters. And you can, you can become a better shooter, but will anybody beat Kevin Herter at shooting the basketball? Probably not. Kevin Herter is probably pretty close to to tapping out as far as his defensive capability. And unfortunately, this is why I've I've, I've said I don't know where he fits in the landscape of a of a starting guard just because of where the league is going. It has nothing to do with Kevin Herter because it's not about effort, it's literally just about the fact that these guys are they're just some talented scorers out there and and based on the current roster we can't afford to have you out there because there's nowhere to we can't hide you. We we need somebody because we're already not that good defensively. Yeah, it's the ideal complementary pieces to the stars, right? And really like De'Aaron plays great defense when he's locked in. Demonis Sabonis is a solid defender, but at the most important position being the the center Anchor, for right. that He's, you know, maybe a little bit below par. And I think that makes your two, three, four have a little more responsibility. And Kevin is a beautiful offensive fit. Like last year, the part of the reason they had a historic offense because they brought in Kevin Herter, who shoots 40% on five a game at least. Mm-hmm. Keegan Murray does the same. And Malik Monk shoots the ball. That spacing was so important for the Kings last year. So he's a great fit offensively, but I think that some of the defensive deficiencies make it a little bit tough sometimes. Now, there's a conversation to be had about with the current roster construction, should you just lean into the offense? You know, the, the Kings are 28-4 and four when they score 120-plus. They are 5-21 and 21 when they don't reach 120. Now, I think Mike Brown would look at that and be like, that means we have a bad defense mm-hmm. right. because we can't win games that we don't score. Sure, I agree. I don't know that you can have a good defense with this right, team, though. Right. And maybe you should just be like, well, let's put up 120-plus every single night. Exactly. And that would mean riding through Kevin's slumps a little bit, you know? And if he gets attacked in a mismatch on one end, like, you know, live with the Jaime Hawkes turnaround sort of thing. So I, I think that that there's two sides to this for sure. He's a great o- ideal offensive complement and I think on certain teams that are great defenses, he absolutely is a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. on on a championship level team. But 
it's about complementing those stars. And defensively, he, I don't think that he's great in that aspect, even if he is offensively. How do you feel about the future of Kevin Herter with this team? I mean, not necessarily that they're going to move on from him 100%. I think that's part of the part of uh, possible solution. But, like, you know, you have a guy like Malik Monk that fans have been uh, asking him to be thrown into the starting lineup. Chris Duarte, we saw they already tried to throw Chris Duarte in the starting lineup earlier this year. Um, and we've seen just in general with this with this roster, you know, guys like Mo Harkless, guys like Casey Akpala are are guys that Mike Brown feels like need to be inserted into that rotation or into that that starting lineup. Do you feel like you know Kevin's spot is 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 kind of up for up for grabs? I guess a bit this coming this off season, or is there a potential for him to maybe solidify his standing? Uh, with I mean, there's still twenty what twenty six games left to go. Like, do do you think? Um, this is maybe something that might need to be in the back of Monty McNair's head, or or is this something you you feel like is going to end up solving itself? Yeah, I, I think I lean towards like Kevin is is very important to this team right now, and I hate talking about players in this way, but when it comes down to it, they need to improve around Fox, Sabonis, and Murray. Yeah, and I think that Malik Monk has been more important to the team than Kevin Herter mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Yep. And I, you know, the Denver comparison, again, I I kind of overuse it, but it feels like to me, Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes are pretty similar to when they had Will Barton and Paul Millsap out there, you know? And if this team is going to make another big trade, which I think is the expectation of how Mm -hmm. they take that next jump, the matching salaries are Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes. Right. Like, those are just the two guys that you look at, and it's like, if we're going to go make a deal— these are probably the players that are on the right. way out. And I think that's the reality of the situation. So if it's Harrison and a defensive guy comes in who, you know, who can we, let's say Lori Markkinen sure. comes in, right? You could still roll with Kevin Herter. Like, I, I think that Kevin Herter is valuable, could absolutely see him on this team next year, but him and Harrison Barnes are easily the two matching salaries right. that you have to include at least one of them, unless we're talking about, Keegan Murray or something, which I don't think is the case. Mm -hmm. You have to include one of them to go take a big deal. So I I can't help but look at their deals and be like, those are probably the guys that are going to continue to be in conversations, and that's that's why they were previously. Is it hard, and you're doing a great job for us. Somebody on the sack chat talked about you pulling double duty, and you're definitely doing it all on on this beautiful Friday. Uh Is it hard to – and we've noticed it with fans and – Yesterday, we tried to say, hey, it's unfair to talk about the future when this team is not done yet. They not only could still get a five seed, the, the four seed is not completely out of the question. But is it hard knowing that this team is pretty close to the ceiling or the ceiling is the second round? Is it is it hard to still focus on this season knowing that just like the NFL draft is coming around the corner, everybody wants to talk about the draft and the combine, knowing that, all right, we we figured out we, nothing has changed. We led this season saying that the ceiling was the second round, yeah. but we were hoping that in reality the basement was the second round. Right now that it turns out that we would be lucky to get to the second round. Now fans have started to transition. We can tell from the calls that we get. It's time to start talking about next season. Is it hard to stay focused on this season? Don't answer yet. Answer when we get back. We're also going to do a special pocket watching segment 
with our own Brendan Nunez. And at 1 o'clock, don't forget, we will give you a chance to win tickets to see the Jacksons and Sister Sledge. 1, 1 p.m., and I believe Chris Watkins is picking cool. that caller at 1 p.m. Sals and Watkins, Sackdown Sports. Sacktown Sports. Joined by Sacktown Sports Kings insider Brendan Nunez. And the question was Is it hard to still focus on this season when it seems like this season isn't going to end with a parade? Even though we didn't think it would, now that we are in the second to last month and the Kings are fighting to stay out of the play in. Is it hard to stay focused on it? And I know you interact a lot with fans, and you had a great question after the game. Who would, uh, what, what could happen in the in the next group of games to make you feel better going into the playoffs? And you can kind of chat about what you heard the most. But yeah, is it is it hard to stay focused on this season at this point? I, I get why it can be for people, but personally, it's not for me. I, I think that it, it's a process building up to a championship. You know, and mm-hmm. I think the process is what makes the eventual success, if you reach it, great and, and fun. You know, is this season I'm still watching for, is De'Aaron Fox going to continue? What, what's the balance between threes and twos for him? He's developed as a three-point shooter, and beginning of the season he's getting them up like crazy. I think post-All-Star break and a little bit before, there's been an adjustment of, okay, how much should my mid-range still be in here, which I think is a really important development for this team years down the line. The the progress of Keegan Murray would be the other big one for me. You're seeing him take more mid-ranges. I think his mid-range is going to be pretty important tonight against Minnesota and the defensive steps that you've seen from Keegan. like All that individual progress from these core pieces I think is so important to the future that there are still things to watch for in building towards an eventual contender, you know? Can I think the way the Kings win a series is by De'Aaron Fox being the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so can you get out of the first round because that's true? And what does that do for your belief moving forward in these next years? So while championship is is definitely out of the picture, I think that there is a lot of individual growth that can still happen this year and has been happening this year that is important in leading up to that eventual goal. I'm curious, just in general, how are you feeling about De'Aaron and his health? Uh, we've seen him pick up bumps and bruises here. The shoulder, obviously, was a big one. Uh, he's hurt his, he's had problems with his ankles here and there, uh, and now banged knees the other day. Uh, he seems to be limping pretty bad. He was limping pretty bad on Wednesday. Um, just in, in general, how are you feeling about De'Aaron's overall health? And then, you know, the Kings might have to play a couple games down the stretch here without him and maybe a couple without Domas too, who might just have to miss a game or two uh, because of because of rest or because of some nicks and bruises. How do you feel like the Kings are positioned, and I think I kind of already know this answer, but how, how do you think they're positioned to possibly survive uh, some important games maybe without those two? Not great, yeah. to be honest. Um, I, I think that when it comes to De'Aaron's health, Chris Biederman, who's on the road with the team, friend of the show, covers for Sacramento Bee, uh, 
put a video out. He, De'Aaron's at shoot-around this morning, participating just like he did before that Denver game. I'd imagine he'll go through warm-ups and kind of see how he feels. Uh, no reporting, just kind of guessing. That's what happened in Denver, which to me means he's not far. But I do worry about his general health right. because, like you said, he, he gets beat up, and you see it affect him. Like, pre-All-Star break, he had two games that were great. I... I wouldn't be surprised if he knew that a break was coming so he could, <laughs> right. you know, really exert more energy right. in those games. But I, I think that you saw him dealing with that shoulder injury or he's had an ankle injury right. that, you know, he came back it's from early in his career right. that he probably is going to linger for the rest of his career, you mm-hmm. know. So I do worry about him getting nicks and bruises because, again, I think this team goes as far as De'Aaron takes them. In the intermediate, if he's not available, I do think it means more opportunity for, for Keegan Murray. You know, I I think that you could lean into him being more aggressive offensively. And a lot of that is he needs to come into the game with the mindset because Mm -hmm. of this free flowing offense. You kind of have to go and get yours. And there could be a benefit of him getting used to doing that. I don't think that's a natural thing for Keegan to just be like, all right, you know, get out the way. I don't need that screen. I got this. Mm -hmm. And but that is important for his development. So, sure, you, you need more from Malik. I don't honestly feel great about how Davion's played right in in De'Aaron's absence you need a lot from Malik Monk I I really think that he should just be that backup one also in general and I think you'll see him play point guard like you did in Denver if De'Aaron is not available to go but for me the big thing is okay we'll get Keegan more involved because that's extremely important to the future of this team and also at the current stage he's probably the guy might be the guy I feel best about like after Malik and and Domas uh, a little bit in there too do you think we will see more from Keon Ellis tonight if if De'Aaron doesn't go? I don't really think so. I don't think that Keon played great in those mm-hmm. closing minutes. I'm trying to avoid garbage time because <laughs> Coach does care about those minutes. That's where Keon, yeah. you know, earned his spot earlier in the year is quote unquote garbage time in Houston. I don't think he played great. He had like a tough turnover and then fouled the guy right after. And I feel bad. I'm pretty sure it was like number one on Sports Center top ten the next day. By mm. the way, and I was like, God, I know Keon's just sick. Right <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, it's yeah. gotta be tough. Um, but to me, the guy that I thought played well was actually Chris Duarte. He played yeah. very well, and I think he's gonna get more run. I, but that I, was the Kevin Hurt. That was the other side of the Kevin yeah, Herter thing. Yeah, but you could do both. You, you know, those guys can mm-hmm. play together. They mm-hmm. can both play the the three four. Um, maybe that means that you're cutting away from Harrison Barnes a little bit. And right. it's all situational. It's all game to game. Who's performing and who's not. But I would lean a little bit more into Chris Duarte. I think that he's done a better job playing within the flow of the offense. Sometimes he could still be a little trigger happy. I think with pulling some of his sometimes shots. he can he can. But there's there's pros and cons. Like we're talking about right. Kevin. He, he, Kevin's he, he great offensively. One. He hit one in Denver during the run, Chris Duarte. Yeah. And Chris knows I'm yelling at my TV. What are you? And then it goes in. And then <laughs> right. shortly after he does it's it. A, again. No, 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 no. Every oh. t- he is not shy. Yeah, I'll tell you that. No, he's I'll not. I'll tell you that. And, and there is some value in that. But I, I think that what he provides defensively, it's important for a you know it didn't go well in Denver, mm-hmm. but to have the options of okay, you're going to see Davion Jamal Murray. Now you're going to see Keegan. When you're healthy, we're gonna you're gonna see De'Aaron. Now you're gonna see Chris Duarte. Say you play the Warriors, you want to have all those bodies to throw at them, mm-hmm. and I think Chris Duarte is one of those guys. Now he can be a little foul prone at times. That's calmed down a lot since that was an issue earlier in the year and some of the offensive stuff we talked about. But if like I remember coming into the year talking to Mike Brown and he's like, everybody asked me about Sasha Vizenkov. Chris Duarte is pretty nice mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. Yeah. So I, I think that he's the type of guy that 
if Mike felt like he could rely on him to make those quick, correct decisions offensively, that he would love to be able to have him out there defensively. And I thought he played well in the last game. I, I would imagine you lean into it a little more this game. Give him some reps on Anthony Edwards. I'm curious, I mean, before we get you out of here, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on just the overall Western Conference landscape. I mean, everything is so close. you got you know Lakers and Warriors creeping right behind the Kings now. Uh, just in general, I mean, what are your thoughts on on how close this Western Conference is, and are there any teams that, that have your attention more so than, than anybody else looking to make a run here in this last stretch? Yeah, it's tough, man. Everybody in this 5-10 to 10 honestly feels like they're playing really good basketball yeah. right now, and, and the Kings are, are stuttering a little bit, yeah. and it changes so fast, though. You know, Overnight. you could you win this Minnesota game, and then you got Chicago at home. You win those games, feel pretty good all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, you might be at 5. Yeah. You know, so it, it changes really fast. I do worry, honestly, about Golden State. I think that they are rolling right now. Kuminga is really good. Yes. Man. Oh, wait, crazy, say, that, huh? say that again. Crazy, huh? Kuminga yeah. is really good. Mm. He's playing well. He's a little more under control. Mm-hmm. Like a controlled chaos, yes. I guess so, we'll yeah. go with. Um, but I've been really keying in on these top four seeds recently yeah. because it's a potential first-round matchup for the Kings. Minnesota, man. I, Scary. That is a championship team. Yeah. Like, you look at their roster, every guy that checks in, you're like, gosh, now it's this guy? Yeah. Like Now Akil Alexander-Walker's coming off the bench, yeah. who's an elite defender. They just traded for Monte Morris, mm-hmm. who had like this crazy block I saw the other day. You have Kyle Anderson doing ridiculous slow-mo stuff yeah. and playing well. Nas Reed Nas, is like a 6-8-10 yeah. Malik Monk out yes, there. Yes. Like Their depth is ridiculous. And some of these other teams, like OKC, I see like Andrew Wiggins come in the game, Isaiah Joe. Like These guys are fine. But Minnesota, I look at that roster, and I'm like, up and down, every single guy that checks in, I'm like, this is a serious team. And we're about to talk to Dane Moore, who you spoke to as well. You were on his you were on his podcast, yes. right? Yes. And that's one thing that the T-Wolves have that I feel as a championship contender when, you know, we, we spoke about the Nuggets after the Kings lost to them and before, the Nuggets are thin. The Nuggets yep. are thin, so that that worries me. The Clippers, being the Clippers, that worries me if you're a Clippers fan. But that that T Wolves team, we know a lot of them are memes, right? Everyone respects and, and likes Anthony Edwards, but Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert. But if you actually watch this team, they got some dogs. Yep. They got some dogs. It's a problem. It's a problem. And hopefully, if the Kings face them, they will have an answer, and they will face them tonight. Thank you so much, Brendan Nunes, for taking the time. Go check out his piece on Kevin Herter on SacktownSports.com. We will talk to you next week for the roundtable. Hopefully there will be a couple beams by that time. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you guys. There you go. Styles and Watkins, when we return, Dane Moore, host of Dane Moore NBA Podcast on Blue Wire, when we return. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Thank you to Brendan Nunez, Sacktown Sports Kings Insider. A lot of good stuff there. Yeah, so a little bit of the pocket watching last night. Warriors won, Lakers yeah. won, and the Suns won, which is not yeah. 
not great for the Kings. Also, because they are going against the one seed tonight, we don't know if De'Aaron Fox will be there or not, but the Kings got to find a way to get it done. We are joined now by Dane Moore, who covers the Timberwolves and host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast with Blue Wire. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. What's up, man? Let's do it. Kings, Wolves. Let's Let's do do it. it. (laughs) Kings, Wolves. Let's start here. We talk a lot about the the West and how it's a complete mess this season. Part of the reason it's a mess is because the T-Wolves have figured this thing out after last season. You, you, the the 5,000 draft picks to get Gobert, and then you also have the OKC Thunder who have really taken a leap. I think everybody thought they'd be better, but maybe not this. How was it last season, going from last season to this season, I wouldn't say the butt of jokes, but a lot of people thought, wow, they gave up all this, and then the T-Wolves, they weren't in this position. To where you are now, things have kind of molded together for you, and you're the one seed. How has that change been from last season to this season? Well, it's crazy, and it's ironic that we're doing it right now. I mean, the the Wolves picked up their 42nd win of the season uh, over the Grizzlies uh, the other night. So they're 42 and 17. Last year they're 42 and 40. Wow! Right, like that kind of that kind of wraps it up right there, right? Like it's it's just, um, I mean, yeah, I I didn't expect this. I I thought it would get better. Like you you could there were there were signs actually like around this time last season. Actually, you guys remember when? when the Wolves, I think they were in Sacramento. Um, it's probably about this time then. And I, I remember it really stood out to me, like Nas Reed was guarding Kevin Herter. Mm-hmm. And and he was chasing him, right? Like, and, and Nas has been like a five his his whole career up to that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, things kind of shift around. And it was, to me, it was like the perfect sort of encapsulation of like, all right, this took a while for everybody to figure out like sliding down positions, like where they fit into this thing around Gobert, right? This was this huge disorienting thing. And so Nas plays well in that Kings game, like proves he can guard on the perimeter, which is big for him and Cat. And then uh, the, the game after that, I believe they played the Suns and he like goes up for this huge dunk, breaks his wrist. And it was it was this like little run where you're like, okay, this is kind of making sense. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes out, uh, Jade McDaniels punches the wall, you know, before the playoff series and, and he's out there too. But there were there were some signs of this. I mean, none of us were predicting that the Wolves were going to be the one seed at this point. Right. But it's interesting to think about back now when you're like, oh, yeah, like maybe we should have given this like a five percent chance mm-hmm. of, of happening because there, there were there were some signs. But it's really, you know, coalesced. And then Ant has Ant has stepped up. Rudy's the best defense player in the league. You know, Carl's fitting into a, a new role. Like, yeah, man, things are clicking. Dane, I'm curious. I mean, we, we uh, the Kings played Denver on Wednesday, and so we had a, a Denver writer on, um, and we asked him essentially, I mean, the Kings are trying to build out, um, essentially using the Denver model, they're trying to build their own version of a championship contender. But actually, funny enough, the Timberwolves are a team that's really, really close in terms of story storied failure, really. I mean, the, the T-Wolves had a, not as long of a playoff drought as the Kings did, but had an extended ah. playoff drought. It got close. It, what was it, 12 years? It yeah, 2004 20, oh, oh to 2018-14. Yeah, wow. yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we reached 16, so I guess we got you beat there. But, uh, you know, it was a similar playoff drought, and, and you guys broke it. Um, you know, there's the iconic scene of, of Patrick Beverly standing on the scores table, all that. But my, my real question is, like, how have you seen expectations change and, and 
you know, we talk a lot about success not being linear. Just how has how has that shift happened since you guys have kind of started to become a playoff team? And I know you've been in and out of the playoffs since then, but you know, just how has that process gone for the Timberwolves? It's weird, man. Like honestly, to cover it, it's weird. Yeah, uh, I've been covering this team for seven years, and. Uh, you know, it, it's foreign, right? You kind of get to this time and you guys can probably feel this too, like where you get to this part of the season. And even if it's like, all right, they got like a shot at the eighth seed, right? You're, you're kind of, you're interested in the team going to the playoffs, but you're really thinking about like, what are the next steps? Yes. What can they do in the summer? Who like, what, what do they need? And, and so for me, and I think for the fan base as a whole, it's been an adjustment of like, you know, put that stuff to the side. Right. Like the Wolves are going to have luxury tax issues, whatever. How long are they going to be able to keep the group together? Well, you know, here we are. We're like 60 in and they got they're good, you know, yeah, so maybe we should good. focus on on the now. So I think that's the adjustment. Right. And then and it's just interesting to think about a team who is really good, but like they got some pretty clear areas in which they're not good yeah. or they could get better. Right. Like this team is an average offensive team like they and they have been all season like they haven't had a. They haven't really had like a month where you were like, oh, yeah, that's one of the five best offenses in the league. And it feels like they should have that. I mean, even when the Wolves were terrible for a long time, it was a top 10 offense every single year because you had cat. The defense was trash, but like the offense was there, you know. And so it's been this thing where it's like, all right, well, you not only have cat, you got Ant, you got a little Conley Gobert two man game. Like, why isn't this better offensively in there? They're moving in the right direction. February, I think they were 11th on offense. But, like, that's got to get there. That's got to – I mean, the defense – we can talk about the defense. Defense is legit. But, like, you, you, you to really make a run, you want to talk about going to, like, the Western Conference Finals, um, where they haven't been since they played the Kings in 2004. <laughs> uh, you know, the offense has to get better. And it's, it's the turnovers need to go down. And, and Ant turns it over a lot. He's young. This team's still, like, weirdly kind of young, like half young. Mm-hmm. Um, you, got, you got some of the vets there, too. But they're, they're still figuring it out while having, you know, the one seed in the West. Talking to Dane Moore, covering the Timberwolves and host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Dane, that that basically leads me to my next question. If the playoffs ended tomorrow or today, what does worry you the most about this T-Wolves team? Is it the offense and maybe the the lack of offense in certain spots? It's honestly a team like the Kings in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't think, I mean, to to be honest i don't think like the kings quite have enough depth specifically in the front court to kind of roll with the the bigs there but i you know if i'm a kings fan i kind of like that matchup in ways because like sabonis is going to be able to go at gobert mm-hmm. gobert is elite at the rim but but it's really is like that help defender right like they right. put cat on Jokic, and then rudy's kind of lurking around there well Rudy's got to guard Domas in this because there's nowhere you can really hide him on a non-shooter on, on the Kings. So like that, you saw Domas go at him a little bit uh, the last time these, these two teams played. I also think Fox is just so fast. Like mm-hmm. the, the two guys, Fox and Maxi, give Jaden McDaniels a little bit of speed problems, mm-hmm. you know, and they can burn by Gobert on a switch. Not many guys can do that. Um, I also think like the Kings – they're not a good defensive team, but like they get into you, they're going to harass you. They're going to play those passing lanes and the wolves have a turnover problem. So there's like, there's mm. this list of even all good teams, you know, they got their like four or five weaknesses. I think the Kings kind of poke at some of those things. Um, but yeah, ultimately like their biggest enemy is themselves. Are they going to like, is Ant going to be locked in the whole time? You know, are mm. you going to like, are you going to move the ball? 
Like it, it's that sort of stuff offensively where you got a young 22 year old who is still learning the game, you know, at, 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 as the, like the main dude, right. He's seeing two every single time there's gap help every single time. He's got to, he's got to fight that frustration of like, I want to get 30, right. but there's three guys here, you know, and that's as kind of Christmas came around, he was like, no, I got to go. Like I got to be that 30 every night. And teams just saw that and they were like, well, load up on it. And he was turning it over like crazy. So mm. he's, he's learning in this process here too, as the wolves are, uh, overall, but they're 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 not they're not Superman. Like this team is beatable. Mm-hmm. Um, the the hope is that as you get to the playoffs, you've answered more of those questions. Dane, I'm curious. You you mentioned Jaden McDaniel's uh, there, and and you know I I feel like I gush about Jaden McDaniel's all the time. Guys like him, you know Jared Vanderbilt. He does. I do. Does. I really do way too much. <laughs> um, and we only got to see him once. I don't think we saw him in the game uh, after yeah, the Thanksgiving uh, in, in November. Can you just tell tell uh, tell our listeners about Jaden McDaniels what what he brings on the defensive end specifically? I mean, um, you know he he's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, I mean he's souped up Keegan Murray defensively, mm. right? You know, and Keegan's having a great defensive yeah. year, as you guys know. But like, I mean, Jaden is the the top of the class at that. He can't shoot like Keegan can. It's right. we're just we're talking about defense, but you guys have seen this season. And I think into the, the modern NBA today, that is so much pick and roll isolation, trying to like puncture the defense point of attack defense is so important right yeah. now. And, and Jaden's about as good as it gets at, at that. And the thing is, what's cool. And he gets a foul trouble sometimes, but with this team, like they got Nikhil Alexander Walker who right. can come in and, you know, if Jaden picks up too, all right, now De'Aaron Fox has got to go against Nikhil Ant can guard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kyle Anderson can guard like this team has a lot like most people from afar probably like oh they're the number one defense because of Gobert like for sure Rudy's defensive player of the year but man if you're De'Aaron Fox you're Kevin Herter you're anybody who wants to try and attack the basket in any sort of way the Wolves are gonna make that tough like they they played the Celtics and the Clippers who just want to isolate you you know yeah like the Wolves play them tough because they got guys who can move their feet and just guard one-on-one Talking to Dane Moore. Dane, before we get you out of here, the the way we were talking about Anthony Edwards, it, it did make me remember what happened about the all-star break and shooting left-handed and, oh, is he going to be a face of the league here in Sacramento? We're trying to push to get our guys in the all-star game to to get De'Aaron and Sabonis, who I think deserved it, but it was yeah. a stacked yeah. a stacked year. Thanks, and Kat. your guy gets, yeah, actually, Cat, he was the problem. Yeah, don't say Ant. Ant no, deserved to be in. No, Ant yeah. deserved to be in, but then he gets in there, he's shooting left-handed, <laughs> he's messing around. What did you think about that display and, and and, and pundit slash player like Draymond Green saying, hey, if you're going to be the face of the league, you got to take that stuff. Seriously, he's only 22, as you mentioned. Do you think that Anthony Edwards wants to be the face of the league? Do you think he can get there from what you've seen and what you've gathered? What are your thoughts on Anthony Edwards and his future, I guess, off the court as well as on the court? He doesn't care what anybody <laughs> thinks about that stuff. Dude. He does not. Fu- Sorry, he does not care. Like, good, good, good he's he he uh so we were in portland right before the break mm-hmm. um the the last game and you know i'm there at shoot around b- before the game and him like where the left-handed thing came from mm-hmm. is i was there like him and mike conley were just having an opposite hand shooting contest <laughs> and like the kid i think what people don't get about and, and you know about ant is he is so competitive mm-hmm. like with that stuff cards whatever it is like obviously you see it on the floor but he's like he does not like to lose. And so they just got into this like 
half hour opposite hand shooting contest. <laughs> and like he would tell you he beat Mike. He won the last match of it. Like Mike beat that won the first of them. So he's just into it. That's just like what Ant is like. He was yeah. like, that was fun. I just was shooting left-handed yesterday morning. So he gets out to the skills thing like 24 hours later and he's like, I'm tired, kind of like whatever. I'm just going to mess around and shoot a Montana. And people can be bothered by that. Like, right. I don't care because I don't. That was a terrible night of television, yeah, as was the All Star game. Like, <laughs> I actually think that was one of the most interesting parts right. of the entire All Star weekend is mm-hmm. Ant being who Ant is, he, man. Like, he was hitting he, some too. He was, hit, I saw him hit some. He did. He can't, yeah. I mean, what he just, it's like, He's from Atlanta, man. <laughs> he's just yeah, like, he it, it's he 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 doesn't like, and he's, he's wearing a hoodie at the mm, game. You know, right. everybody else is wearing all their stuff like at All Star Week. I mean, it's uh, I don't know. I guess for better or for worse, he's just gonna be like who he is mm-hmm. as a person. I think there's power in that, yeah. like on the court too. There's power in that with his teammates. Um, you know, he he's got this like really like strong ability to relate with all different types of people, ages, whatever. Like uh, we talk about basketball IQ all the time. I wouldn't say it actually has a super high basketball Mm -hmm. IQ, but there's EQ, right? Emotions. Right. Um, And just, I mean, I've covered him his, his whole career. He's just really good with people and making them being himself, but like, letting you into you know who he is you feel comfortable with him and the whole kind of young contingent of the group nasri jade mcdaniels that's like there's a whole other window of this coming from the wolves mm-hmm. you know once mike conley retires mm. once rudy's got some time you know and cat cat's locked up long term too i mean that's a crazy part about the wolves cat's got four more years after this ant's got five more jaden's got five more nas is under contract like it is there is another window of sub 30 year olds and Ant is at the forefront of this. So we want to talk about face of the league. You know what I think it normally comes down to? Winning. And what does winning normally come down to? It comes to the guys that got you got around you that can help you win. And to that end, over the next five years, like I think Ant's going to have a squad around him. So anybody else who's fighting for this stupid thing of face <laughs> of the league, like whatever, Ant's going to be fighting for wins. And yeah. I think that will make him a face of the league. Dane Moore, thank you so much. This was great, man. Covering the Timberwolves, host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast on Blue Wire Network. Dane, thank you so much. Definitely got to do this, do this again, specifically if there is a matchup that results in the Kings and T-Wolves in the playoffs. I would love it. I would I would, uh, I would, love that matchup. I'll get out there to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't out there earlier this year. It'd be, uh, yeah, man, it'll be a fun series. And I think the Kings are Kings are legit. Like it's like you said at the top, it's a it's a deep West. The Kings are like your normal like four seed, I feel like, mm-hmm. right? And just this year, it's the eight, and they could. What are they like two games out of being the four, the five One, seed right, right now? One. Like, they're they're yeah, what they're they're not this they're a, they're a good team too. So that's what I've been saying to like Wolves fans. I'm like, even if you get the one seed, like this isn't this isn't this isn't easy. So um, I'm I'm excited for the game tonight, and yeah, we'll talk more. There you go. We got a we got a quick comment here for Dane McDaniel's for Herder straight up. Who says no? Oh. We won't make oh, you answer that. Thank you, Dane. So <laughs> we'll say no. We won't say no. <laughs> Thank you, Dane, so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. When we return, continuing our T Wolves preview as the Kings are in Minnesota trying to get it done for Friday night beam. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports.
Live and local. Live and local. This is Sacktown Sports. Thank you to Dane Moore, who covers the T-Wolves and hosts of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. That was great. That, that was great from Dane. Yeah. And if you're listening and there's some some sadness due to the Kings and, and their loss, their losses to the Heat and the Nuggets, I mean, Dane even said, even said that the Kings give some matchup problems yeah. for the T-Wolves. We'll see if they're able to to utilize that tonight if if De'Aaron plays. But if you happen to see the T-Wolves in a in a first round yeah. or second round, anything like that, then you got to feel better about it. You yeah, gotta feel I guess. better about it. Dane definitely made me feel better about it. Makes me feel like there's a chance. Um, but you know, ultimately he did he did say there that you know the wolves are just kind of at a different level like they just have so many guys and i think brendan said it as well where it's just you know checking in is Nikhil alexander walker well that's a guy who can completely you know can give deer and fits uh in comes kyle anderson well that's like a perfect forward to put on harrison or or keegan and uh, they've got Nas Reed, who you know is is just running all around the place. Dane talked about him guarding Kevin Herter last year. He can guard from Kevin Herter all the way up through Sabonis. They're just they're stacked, man, and that's not including the starting lineup. Like they got Ant, who is a two way player and is ridiculous. Mike Conley's the ultimate veteran point guard that every single team would want on their roster. Just up and down the roster, it, it's it's. It's a really scary lineup to go against. And then, yeah, you look at them, and Jaden McDaniels is 6'11", Cats 6'11", Rudy Gobert 7'3". They're really, really scary. It feels like, and we're about to get to Steven here, who's been waiting on the line. It feels like everybody has team envy. Hey, if I didn't didn't root for this team, I would like this team. And you see me smirking here. You got some real team envy for the T-Wolves. Out of all the other teams yeah, in the sure. league, it feels like you like their setup yeah. the best. I mean, they're they're just built to win. Like, yeah. OKC probably has, like, individually the pieces mm-hmm. that I think are the most fun. But, I mean, it's just tough to argue with the T-Wolves being the best defensive team in the NBA by far and then having, I mean – the crazy thing is Anthony Edwards, when you hear, you know, some of the national pundits give who does Anthony Edwards remind you of, they stop. They have to stop and say, look, I know this is crazy. I know this is forbidden. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you watch him play, the two most similar styles are Kobe and really it's MJ. Right. Like, there's a lot of Anthony Edwards, Michael Jordan comparisons, and those don't get, those do not just get thrown out, especially not in 2024. Yeah, and you know if you've got that, if you have a 22 year old superstar in the wings, you've got Carl Anthony Towns who changed the game and is the greatest big man shooter of all time, or whatever he wants to be called, and then you got Rudy Gobert. Like it just makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's envy, but I'm I'm honestly more just excited to see can they actually do it because sure. it, it seems to make a lot of sense. But we we know the NBA is it's all about stars, it's all about talent, and uh, there's definitely some teams out there who you know marquee wise the Clippers are going to put more fear in the general NBA fans' heart than the T Wolves. Yeah, and 
yesterday on the broadcast, or maybe it was a couple days ago with with TNT. I believe it was last night because the Warriors and the Kings, the Warriors and the Lakers won. Yeah. And hey, are any of these teams dark horses in the playoffs because of the brand names? If the Lakers or Warriors do <laughs> do pull this off, that would be incredible because I think you have to get to a point as a small market team to where you say, look, we know LeBron is a legend. We know Steph is a legend. But we finally have a yeah. situation <laughs> where we're just a better team. Yes. And you have to get over the hump. And they're going to get one of those teams yeah. or or – whether it's the Mavs or the Kings, whoever they end up getting, not so much the Thunder because they're younger, but the the T Wolves specifically. Yeah, this is your t- this is yes. your time yes. if, to be if, taken seriously. You might yeah. you might not have thought it was your time at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. but this is your time now. So I don't care who is down there; they're down there for a reason. You're a better team. This is not the same as Mahomes beating these teams in the NFL playoffs because Mahomes. It's the most important position in sports. He has the yeah. ball all the time. He can do different things. You guys are better top to bottom besides yes. one guy. Now, those guys are going to go in the Hall of Fame, and they're <laughs> top 10 greats, but this, you got to get it done because they're, they're down and out. Let's get to Steven, who wants to be a part of the conversation, talk a little bit of Kings. What's up, Steven? You're on Styles and Watkins. What you got for us? Hey, y'all. Uh, I love the show. Love the show. Thank, so, thank you. I'm going to say 100, yes, sir. Uh, 100, agree with you. Um, 100%, but let's talk about the team. And we don't have time to talk about everything, so I'm just going to talk about uh, uh, Doma. Um, and, and I don't believe uh, Fox should be able to carry everything. I think it wears them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two, the two, the, the one-two punch between Doma, I mean, between um, Fox and, and, um, and, um, you know, our, 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 our point guard when he comes off the bench. Malik. Malik, thank Malik. you. Malik, there you that's go. A, that, that's, a, that's a great combo because Malik could probably start any, on any team. So, anyway, going back to Domas. If Domas could get that mid-range down, and I wonder if you guys have the ability to talk to the coaching staff because I really don't understand. If he watches basketball like we do as fans, he got to see his weakness. Mm-hmm. It's the mid-range. But if he can do that mid-range and hit a couple threes, that's going to make the um, the the offense more honest. We'll come out and try to guard them, and then we can have our our our, 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 our ancillary players come in and and, and go for the um, and get a two. They they focus so much on that freaking three. It's frustrating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and and, and Kevin Kevin he throw, he, I really like Kevin. You know what I mean? Because he's too streaky. Yeah, no, thanks for the call, Stephen. We're up against it. The Domas thing is interesting. As we just talked about Keegan and how, hey, it's time for Keegan to just get back into the swing of, if you got the three, take it, less working on things. It's almost the opposite for Domas. You're to the point now, and it feels like it is starting to happen, Stephen, where Domas is taking those mid-range yeah. shots more quickly, yeah. right? Early in the season, he's not taking that unless he has to. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this as well. It does seem like he's taking them sooner than later, and I think it might be because, and we we don't get to talk to the coaches, but when we're in the pregame and postgame press conferences, we do ask them questions, and, we, and we're leading them into, yes. a, in, into a, a, a certain direction, and then they either go with it or they will – 
spin their own way. Or they will go yeah. in a different way. But it feels like Domas is preparing for that. He's probably going to – because we're almost darn near in the playoffs yeah. already for a lot of these teams. So they're starting to run that drop coverage. So we're starting to see it happen organically because he doesn't have a choice. As far as the threes are concerned, we know he can hit them. I don't see him taking a bunch more – than he already does. But as far as the mid-ranges, it feels like he is taking them faster than he he typically has earlier in the season. When we get back, we will continue to have this convo. Chris will give his answer to Steven's comments on, on Sabonis and Kevin Herter. We will also discuss De'Aaron Fox and whether or not you think he will play tonight. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports.